I want to talk to you today about what's really important. What's really important? You know, they tell us that most of the fragmentation in families, when, when there comes a little dispute, a little disagreement, it sort of gets out of hand, that after a while it, it gets bigger and, and sometimes fractures families till you have family members that sometimes don't even speak to each other for long periods of time. They tell us that most of the things that we fall out over five years from now won't even be worth mentioning. We, it's so easy to get distracted by things that don't really matter in the full scope of things. So I want to talk to you, as I said, about what really matters today. I want to take you to the book of Proverbs chapter 4, beginning verse 5. I'm going to read 5, 6, and 7. This is what the wise man tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is a message from God. He said, get wisdom, explanation point. He wants you to hear this. Uh, if I were to read it like it's really meant to be said, I'd say, get wisdom. For goodness sakes, get some wisdom. We, we had a... We had a preacher in, in uh, Georgia here that's gone on to be with the Lord right now. But any time somebody would do something that was uh, um, kind of dumb, uh, for lack of a better expression, Brother Roy Horton would say, if you searched his head for a bump of wisdom, you'd find a dent. Uh, <laughs> Solomon said, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She'll preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is a principal thing, is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all of your getting, get understanding. Several years ago, I was really impacted by a speech that I listened to by a man that's kind of a hero of mine. I had my boys, when they were just junior ages, when they were in middle school, I had them to read um, the book about him and, and his, um, his miracle hands that God had so blessed and anointed. His name's Dr. Ben Carson. Many of you obviously know about him because now he's in politics. But way back before he uh, got into politics, he was director of pediatric neurosurgery at the John Hopkins University Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. And he made this statement. This is what impacted me. He said that here we are in this technological age, and yet 30% of kids today entering high school do not finish. 44% of young people who start college in pursuit of a four-year degree do not finish. He himself, Dr. Ben Carson, was on a path to failure because he was a horrible student. In fact, he was called dummy by his peers in school. How, how would you like to be the, the guy that was a classmate of Ben Carson who called him dummy after he performed the world's first separation of conjoint twins uh, at the head? And, and it was a... It was a uh, literally a medical feat that is in the history books and they, they called him dummy 
But he was a poor student. Part of the reason he was a poor student is because he had an uncontrollable temper, or at least he thought it was uncontrollable. His mother was a single parent. She got married when she was 13 years old. Before you criticize her for that, she was one of 24 children in her family, and they were in abject poverty. So she married hoping to find a better life, only to discover after having two boys that her husband was a bigamist, and he had a whole other family that she didn't know anything about for a while, and he left her for the other family. And so she was left to raise Ben and his brother all by herself. And when Ben started getting in trouble at school and his grades were horrible and, and he was constantly getting in scuffles and fights because of his temper, she, she did the only thing she knew to do. But it was the best thing any of us could do. She went to the Lord in prayer. Now, I said she's a single parent. But don't mistake the fact that she was a single parent by saying that she raised her kids alone. No, she didn't. She had Jesus. And how many of you know that Jesus meant what he said when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll go with you all the way to the end of the earth or to the end of the age. And she went before Jesus, the only place she knew to go and the only friend that she had to go to. And she said, Jesus, I've got two boys. And I need wisdom. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to raise them. They're getting out of hand. And Jesus gave her a formula that worked. First of all, <clears throat> when they got home from school in the afternoon, she made them turn off the TV. And then she made them go to the Detroit library, public library, every week. They had to check out two books. They had to read those two books, and they had to give her a written report on those two books. Now, the boys didn't think this was from God, <laughs> but she knew it was from God, and it worked. In fact, in fact, Dr. Ben Carson said he didn't even know it when he was a little boy, but his mother couldn't read. But she would take those reports that they gave her and she would look at them and look at them and she'd take a, she'd take a pencil and, and make certain marks and underline certain things. And she, didn't, she didn't know what was on the paper, but she made them think that she did. And she checked their papers every week. And it was during that time of reading those books every week that Ben Carson and his brother developed a love for knowledge, a love for reading, a desire to learn more. And the rest is history because he learned and learned until he became a world-renowned surgeon. Now, after he was grown, married, and a family of his own, he thought back about his own childhood and after he began to make money enough that he could be a blessing to someone else, he and his wife prayed and asked the Lord for wisdom as to what to do to help others. And they set up a foundation. They visited high schools all over the country, north, south, east, and west. And one of the things they discovered in visiting high schools is that the most important thing in almost every high school they went to was athletics. And well, I'm not criticizing that, but they noticed that all the emphasis was on athletics. That's where they had the big banquets to honor the 
athletes and they gave trophies to honor the athletes. And so they set up a foundation and they started having banquets in schools for academic achievements. And they started giving trophies to children, to young folks that achieved academically. And, and they, they began to set a new frontier of motivation and, and uh, substantiating that uh, desire or that, those achievements with, uh, with, with accolades and, and gifts and, and different things. As of today, well over 5,000 students have stayed in high school because of what they've done. And over 5,000 have gone through college because of what they've done. And, and it continues to grow and go on and on and on and on and on. What I'm saying this morning is they focused on what was really important. How many of you believe this morning that probably reading a book's more important than watching a television show as far as impacting your future? And, and, that's, and that's what they did. So for the next few minutes, I, I want to deal with just two specific areas. I want to talk to all of those of you uh, that are church folks. I mean, you're, you've been in church a while. Uh, church is just second nature with you. You're, the, you're, you're here. You're church people. And, and then I want to talk to those of you who have not been in church very long. Perhaps today's your first day at church. But you don't, you don't have a church background I want to talk to both of these groups. First of all, let's look at the church people. Uh, you know, someone wrote recently and said that if you visit a typical evangelical church across anywhere in America today, it looks more like a concert than a place where people really develop and are discipled and come to know more about the Lord. It seems that the stage and, and the music in some places is even more important than the word. And, and that's a dangerous out of kilter and out of balance. Uh, I love music and I thank God for it. I think it's a, an enhancement as we worship the Lord. But we also have to get in the word of God. If we don't, if we don't encourage our people to read the word, they won't grow. And in, in the Lord. So, so we must put our, in, in fact, there's two different kinds, major kinds of churches today. There's the program driven church. And, um, to be perfectly honest with you for many years from Crawford Avenue forward for, for a number of years, we kind of followed that, that paradigm. We were considered a program driven church. I mean, the programs kind of drove everything that we did. The, the problem with that is that here, a program-driven church tends to produce um, wars over buildings, <laughs> wars over color. War, if, 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 if it's all about us, we begin to argue about what makes us more comfortable. I have a pastor friend who built a church in, uh, uh, outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, a little uh, suburb there called Greenfield. And and he got his church he got his church building up ready for the exterior uh, walls to go up or the exterior of, of, of facade and half of his church wanted it to be a brick church and the other half of his church wanted to be a stone church they they love stone and so they they neither side would give and uh, <clears throat> part of the reason is because Half of his congregation was from Arkansas, and the other half was from Kentucky. And I learned that when I was in Indiana. If you had a church made up of those two groups, they never agreed. 
I mean, the call of God on their life was to disagree with the other. Um, those that weren't sanctified. <laughs> so, and so it's church. It stalled the whole building program. They're arguing over stone or brick. How many of you know that 10 years from now, it doesn't matter? In fact, 10 minutes from now, it doesn't matter. I don't believe that God gives a rip whether it's brick or whether it's stone. I, I just, I don't, I don't believe that's the priority of God in his church. At least I hadn't found it in here. Hadn't found anything that says, thou shalt build me a brick church. You know? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. But we get, if we're not careful, if we get focused on ourselves, we get hung up on these kind of things. And, 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 and there's war over worship styles. And, you know, this, I, I like to go to this church because it has this style of worship. And another, another. We get hung up on music. Boy, I got a lot of amens on that. Did you notice that? I, I just, that's why I paused there. To, <laughs> they're, all, they're all styles of music. And I have learned through the years, and a bunch of them, to, to, to like all different kinds of music. And come to realize that you can worship with all different kinds of music. One of the things that surprised me one time many years ago, I was doing a little historical study on music, and you know that I discovered that some of the hymns in the hymn books that we revere and respect and honor with almost an awe, and I love them. I love hymns, by the way. But did you know when those hymns were written, especially those by Charles Wesley, a lot of those hymns, John and Charles West, John Wesley was a traveling preacher. He preached crusades and people came to the Lord by the multitudes. In fact, he founded the whole Methodist church and Charles would write songs and lead his music. And a lot of those songs Charles wrote to reach young people and he used barroom tunes and put religious words to them. And so young folks and... And people are shocked when I tell them, did you know that some of the hymns that we love used to be barroom songs? That, that God uses different music in every different area and every different era. It just changes from time to time and it keeps moving on. And, and I, I like all of it. Now, if you were to ask me my very favorite kind of music, I could tell you because there's a certain style of music that I like better than any of the rest of it. And if you come to my office during the week, and you might hear some of that music playing, because that's what I play when I'm by myself. I play what I like. But I love what Sister Han said before she went to heaven. Somebody asked her one Sunday morning, kind of cornered her. She was on up in years at the time. They thought they really had a partner with her. And they said, do you like this new modern music that we sing here in church? She said, let me tell you something. She said, I listen to the kind of music I like all week long. I listen to hours and hours and hours of it. And she said, when I come to church on Sunday morning and I look down there and I see my grandson worshiping the Lord with that music, I don't care what kind of music it is. If it's reaching the next generation, I pray, use it for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. It's a, it, all, all kind of wars over Years ago when the Brother J. Frank Culpepper was our state overseer here in Georgia, um, they tell this story on him, I'm, I'm assuming that it's true, 
um, he, he was called to a South Georgia church, they said, that was crossed up about some little issue that didn't mount to a hill of beans and said when he got down there, he, he wanted to kind of get a feel for what was going on. So he let, it, let everybody say whatever they wanted to say. And somewhere along the way, said this little lady stood up and back and said, Mr. Overseer, could I say a word, please? And he said, sure, go ahead. She said, I am so embarrassed at the way we're acting tonight. Said, we're, we're just acting so ugly and talking so ugly to each other. Said, I'm just embarrassed. Said, if the Lord Jesus could just see how we're acting here tonight. Said, if he could just see how we're acting, he'd turn over in his grave. <laughs> Boy, she had some messed up theology, and I'm telling you that. <laughs> That, that, that was a church that needed some discipleship. Somebody needed to get the word and teach somebody something there, brother. I, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus ain't turning over his grave about anything. He's resurrected, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's very much alive and well. And that's what put us on a path many years ago of trying to change the paradigm. If you wonder why we do what we do and, and, and why there's so much emphasis on others is because we don't want to be a program-driven church. We want to be an outreach-driven church. We don't want to spend all of our time thinking about ourselves because that makes you miserable. We want to spend our time thinking about others. If you want to find joy in life, get lift up your eyes and look around and see what you can do to bless others. I can promise you this morning, whatever you've got, and you may be sitting here today, you may be the richest person in Augusta, Georgia. You may driv have driven in in a, in a Maserati this morning. I don't know. You may live in a $12 million mansion in our city. But I can promise you, I can promise you today that if you want joy, Forget about stuff and start thinking about people and see what you can do to others. And I will also tell you on the other end of that spectrum, you may have slept in your car last night. You may not have a place to sleep, but I'll guarantee you if you look around you, you'll find somebody that's worse off than you are. Amen. There's always someone. Don't get caught up with the stuff of this world. We want to be an outreach-driven. The reason we want to do that is because that an outreach attitude produces concern, it produces compassion, and it produces cooperation. When we when we started Focus, I don't know whether you remember or not. Some of you will, but for for. Um, a whole year from January to December one year, I had two big old, big as those big screens that we used to have here. I had a picture of our church with the top being blown out of it, just exploding. And uh, the, you, could, you could see the sunshine from above. And, uh, and, and we talked about taking the lid off the church. We want to be an outreach-driven church. And we looked at that for a solid year. And we and begin to change that paradigm. And I want to tell you something. Since we changed that paradigm and since what we talk about when we get together and what we focus on from board meeting to dream team meeting to small group meetings or whatever, when we're thinking about other things, you, you forget about all this uh, other little stuff that tend to irritate and aggravate if you just focus on Just forget about this. So it's not going to matter five years from now anyway. Amen? Let's, let's go after the harvest that's out there for the glory of God.
God. Let me give you some scripture. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. If you want to know what Jesus is interested in, he's interested in all those folks outside the walls of our church today that aren't ready to meet him. Amen? That's what he's interested in. Look at Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. If you want to have a joy unspeakable and full of glory, think about the poor. Think about the brokenhearted. Think about those captives today that need to be set free and liberated. Those who are oppressed that need that, that yoke of bondage taken off of them. And we have the joyous, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to share with the world. Amen? Let's think about that. Praise God. Well, let, let, me, let me just sort of bring this to a close by, by giving you a, uh, what I hope will be a challenge uh, all of those of you that are churched and you come to church all the time, uh, let, let's just think about that and, uh, and think about what we can do for the glory of God. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses and to be in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We need to be sharing what we have. Amen. Share it. Praise God. Share it. Tell somebody about it. Somebody said, well, I'm, I'm afraid to tell anybody. I'm afraid I might offend them. Where are you going to? Somebody said to me, I'm afraid I'll run them off. Where are you going to run a lost person off to? Hell number two? I mean, they're lost, folks. They're without Christ. They're headed to an eternity separated from everything that's good and from God himself. Let's share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you do bumble it up and maybe you do offend them, but maybe you'll be offended enough that they'll ask some questions and somebody will help them get to Jesus. Amen. Just share the gospel anyway. And I'm telling you, you'll find that you're the one that, are, that is blessed. For those of you that are unchurched, let me say this. There, there's, there's two ways you can go. You can look at this world system and follow the earthly kingdom and continue in that. But it is very self-centered. First of all, the earthly kingdom produces concern for self, you know, for food, clothing, shelter. And by the way, none, none of that, that's not wrong to want to take care of, of, of yourself. In fact, psychologists tell us <clears throat> that the two strongest motivations that we have and these are innate these are not learned things these are things that are just it, god made us this way one of them is self-preservation and the other is species preservation so there's nothing wrong with either one of those except that if that becomes your total focus in life if that's all you think about you miss out on so much other and you miss out on so much joy um it, it's okay to take care of yourself. Second thing is, is family concern. And, uh, you know, my wife, myself, my two kids, us four, no more. And that's the attitude a lot of people have. That's species preservation. 
And we ought to protect our families and we ought to provide for our families. But you can't live in that bubble and that cocoon alone and be a happy person. Can somebody say amen? And then there's concern for the future. You know, some people are just so afraid that doom, despair, and misery is ahead of us, and they're just trying to get all they can, and then they can all they get, and then they sit on the can. <laughs> and that's a miserable way to live, too. Don't, we, we, let, let me give you the other alternative to that. That's the heavenly kingdom mindset. Jesus said, that, uh, that, that we can have, we can come into the kingdom of God and, and get that knowledge of God, that proper knowledge of God. Let me read Romans, uh, Proverbs 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You remember my text a few minutes ago? Get wisdom. Get understanding. And, and so in, in the kingdom of God, when you begin to follow that paradigm, you begin to learn who your heavenly father is. And you begin to receive that wisdom and that understanding. And it makes all the difference in the world. Because when you really understand your heavenly father as he is, you realize how good he is. I, I grew up in a real small church and um, a lot of, a lot of the preachers that we had in our church when I was a, a small kid, uh, a lot of them were pretty negative. And um, I, I, for a long time, I thought God was this great judge that was sitting in heaven just watching, waiting for me to mess up so he could knock me down. And I found out the opposite is true. God's not out to get you, folks. If God needed to get you, he'd have got you. Amen. God's looking, waiting, and reaching to us so that he can be a heavenly father to us, so he can bless us, so he can lead us, so he can guide us. That's the reason he gave us this word. He created us, so he gave us a, he gave us a manuscript here that tells us how to best live. And if you follow this, this is the happiest life there is right here. Yeah. The, the Bible... The Bible doesn't talk about Christians being miserable. It says the way of the transgressor is hard. You want to see people's having a hard time, go visit the jail and, and, and go visit some of these places where people wind up who break the law of God. You don't really break the law of God. You break yourself when you go against the law of God. So if you really want, your heavenly father is, is bent on blessing you today on helping you and reaching to you. In fact, Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Glory to God. I'm not against hell, fire, and brimstone preaching. There is a hell. I know some people don't believe it, but there is. And I, I, you, sh you shouldn't want to go there. And you don't have to go there. But, but hellfire and brimstone preaching is not what brings us to repentance. The Bible says, I'm quoting Paul here in Romans, that it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Amen. It's not because God wants you. Some people preach about hell and they preach about it like they're happy about it and want you to go there. No, no. That's not. If you're going to preach on hell, preach it with tears in your eyes. Amen. 
because your heavenly Father is doing everything in the world to keep you from being lost for eternity. And it's his goodness and his blessings. When you realize how good God is, you want to serve him. Amen. <laughs> when you realize how good God is, you want to please him. When you realize how good God is, you want to do his will. You want to be a follower of the Lord. You want to be a student of the Lord. You want to be a servant of the Lord. You want to, when you realize, you want to come and say, Lord, everything that's in me that's not like you, take it out because I want to be more like you. That's how good God is. Somebody give him some praise today. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it, it brings you to a point where you have faith instead of fear. You know, the fear monglers have always been there. When we, when we got, my wife and I got married in 1968. That's before most of you were born or even thought about and right it wasn't long after we got married a couple of years after we got married a report came out from the world society of scientists now these are the brilliant people these are the smart people that had gathered from all over the world in switzerland to do a study of of planet earth and what planet earth could sustain and they said within five years, that was in 1970, they said within five years, planet Earth will not be able to produce enough food and there will be worldwide starvation. I started to say, look around, see if anybody's starving here this morning. <laughs> and if you had bought into that, you could have had a nervous breakdown for that fear and of course they were wrong and uh and, and and it just keeps coming i mean if you watch the news you're gonna hear some fear something that, that'll put fear in your heart there's always talking about disaster and the world's falling apart it's coming to an end and my goodness alive there's more and more and more and more of it jesus said in matthew 6 20 33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things are going to be added to you. Everything that you're concerned about this morning, everything that you're stressed out about, if you'll just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said, God will take care of it. God will take care of it. Amen. So what I'd like to say to you this morning in, in conclusion is that those of you who are in church, been in church a long time, and, and church is kind of a way of life with you, why don't you focus on what Jesus focused on? And why, why, don't, why, don't, why don't we just help get in this end time harvest and look out for somebody else and look out for the poor and look out for the brokenhearted and look out for the oppressed and, and let's just give ourselves to the Lord and to the work of the Lord. And those of you who are new and unchurched today, I challenge you with everything in, them, in me today to try the Lord Jesus and see if his way isn't better than what you've been doing. You keep going with this world system, you're going to worry yourself sick. Amen. But if you come to Jesus and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you can just sit back and rest in him and know that he's going to take care of you and everything's going to be all right. Amen. Will you stand with me, please? Let's give God praise as we. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to close the service a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray right there, where you're, right there where you're standing. And if anybody wants 
prayer or a prayer team to pray with them. If you'll come up after we dismiss, we'll have people here that'll be glad to spend as much time with you as you need or want. But right now, we're just going to pray right there where we are. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. If you're here today and, and this is new to you and you, you've never really trusted the Lord as, as your Savior, if you'll just open your heart to him today and say, Father, forgive me for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me. That he arose again. That he ever lives to make intercession for me. And I want to receive Christ in my heart today. The Lord can save you right where you're standing. If you're away from God, you can come home today in this prayer. You can say, Lord, I want to renew fellowship. I want to come back to that place where I had in you and, and move forward from there. If you're sick in body today, you can ask the Lord in faith for healing. If you have needs, financial or relational, whatever they may be, you can ask the Lord this morning, and he can minister to those right now. Those of you who are standing here, you say, Preacher, I'm, I'm a part of this. I want you to just make a commitment to the Lord. Lord, I want to I be more like you, and I want to go after what is important to you. I want to seek your wisdom and your direction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege and opportunity to serve and worship and honor you. And I pray for this body of believers. I pray that you will bless us. Help us today to focus on what really matters. Help us to seek for the wisdom of the Lord in every decision we make, every choice we make. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, boy, girl that's here under the sound of my voice. If there's a one unsaved, I pray that right now they'll open their heart to Jesus and receive you as Lord and Savior. Meet every need in this house for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.